Hello and welcome to another episode of our Brothers Creed podcast where we talk about motivation, experiences, and exploring the world around us. We're the Thomas Brothers. I'm Ethan. And I'm Jared. And today we are joined by a very special guest, Terry Cook. Terry, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Terry is a uh, lifelong insurance guy. He's been in the industry his entire career, just about to retire in maybe the next, what, couple years? Probably uh, two years, maybe, two years at the most. I'm not going to retire, retire. I'm going to do something different, but I'm going to retire from the corporate world. So <laughs> won't be good. doing, you know, working for a big company anymore. Very good. And, and Terry's a, a lifelong friend of ours. He's known us since we were real little, and he's also got kids that are our ages. And so uh, it's great to have him on, and he's going to share with us some experience. He's also an, also an author and uh, very talented, and, and we're going to talk today about uh, using uh, being your own banker and some financial strategies uh, that he's found and that his family has used generationally uh, to build wealth and, and some of his tips and strategies. So very excited to have him on. Terry, thank you. Let's, let's go ahead and jump in. Thank you for having me. All right, let's do it. You can't climb the ladder of success with your hands in the pocket. We will not go quietly into the night. They tell me you're a man with true grit. I am the one who knocks. Don't ever tell me what I can't do, ever! That's how winning is done. All right, Terry, thank you so much for coming on again. Uh, I I think that uh, maybe let's just take a little, just at the start, maybe talk about your background, how you got into uh, what you do. Uh, that might be a good place to start. Okay. Well, thank you. I uh, was raised in Washington state uh, on a farm, southeastern Washington state. Uh, my parents are from Idaho, so pretty conservative. We had a sugar beet farm in uh, southeastern Washington. And from a, a very early age, my dad taught me that there are really two kinds of people, two types of people. There are people that get paid interest and people that pay interest to others. And uh, he also told me there are two types of people. There are savers and spenders. And um, he said, you always want to be the saver and you always want to be the person that uh, someone pays interest to. <laughs> and right. so he said, if you can, you know, in your life financially, if you can do that. And that's kind of the way he lived his life. Um, he always was a big believer in life insurance a uh, quick story, um, when he was on his mission, uh, his dad died, <clears throat> and my dad was the oldest of eight kids, and um, his dad knew he was going to die before he went on his mission, and he pulled him aside on a train platform. They had train platforms back then that you got on a train. He went to uh, like Kentucky and West Virginia and areas like that, and he, he said, um, I'm not going to be here when you get back, and my dad didn't know exactly what he meant by that. And he said, I have a brain tumor. And, and uh, he said, there's two things I want you to know. He said, number one, uh, you know, you're the oldest of eight, so I want you to help you know, raise the rest of the eight kids. And he said, number two, there's a life insurance policy there that will pay uh, the farm off you know, when I die. And it should be enough for, for you and your mom to you know, make a living for the family. So my dad's always been a big believer in life insurance. Um, you know, taught me you know, about life insurance that... that I've just always been one of those corny people that, that really, really believe in it. I carry a lot of life insurance, and uh, I'm a big believer in it. I've taught Greg, my kids, to, to have a lot of life insurance. Anita knows I have a lot of life insurance, and I've told her that you know, she, when she sees my casket up the front, there's no whistling, <laughs> no whistling and skipping down the aisle that if she has to hire a cry coach, then she, you know, hire a cry coach there. But Keep the cheering know, to a minimum. That's please. right. <laughs> so I've always been, been a believer in that. I um did my my two-year mission and then when I got back I needed a job and uh, I pushed brooms for a while at BYU and then I um, got into the insurance business and uh, started selling part-time while I was going to school knocked on doors and uh, when it came time to graduate I was you know making pretty good money making more than the people that are graduating so I decided to stay in it and it's been a a lifelong love of mine of being able to uh, help people out and and protect, you know, the widow and the orphan. And if something happens to dad, we can't replace dad, but we can certainly, you know, be, be a light at the end of the tunnel or, or shine some light on. I've had some experiences of paying off death benefits. And so I'm, I'm a big believer in, in life insurance. That's great. I imagine over your career, you've seen the life insurance products drastically change from, you know, what they were back in the day to 
to now just improving so much, right? We have. Uh, it, there's been a lot of changes, but but also a lot of things have stayed the same. Uh, I started my career with a company called Northwestern Mutual, and uh, they're a big whole life carrier. And so I kind of got brainwashed into uh, whole life. And uh, I've always had a belief in whole life. Uh, I don't think it's the only insurance product. I'm a big believer in term and universal life, but... Um, I, I'm a big believer in whole life that sometimes it's going to pay off and, and I carry permanent life insurance on me. So it has changed a lot, but a lot of it stayed the same too. Interesting. Maybe for, uh, for, for listeners out there that don't have as much experience with life insurance, could we maybe uh, dig into uh, each one of those, a whole life, universal, and then in a term, sure. just, just to kind of do a very brief, simple overview of, of what each one of those are? Sure. Well, term insurance is exactly what it says. It's like car insurance. It's uh, pretty inexpensive. I tell young guys like you and, and Greg, load up on term, you know, if you can buy millions of it. And I always tell people, buy as much as the life insurance company will, will sell you because, you know, if something happens to you. And, um, but it, it gets very expensive when you get older. And uh, there are a lot of radio personalities that believe that you should just have term insurance. And uh, I get that, you know, but, but to me, it's kind of um, short-sighted and not thinking long-term. Uh, I also believe that you should have a blend of permanent insurance. Whole life is, um, you know, your premiums remain level. There's also a cash value. And, uh, and you said that it, the products have changed. And uh, I would say over the past 20 years, they've also uh, um, had some very, very good living benefits like a chronic illness and long-term care benefits. So if something, these are like additional insurances, right? Uh, yeah. Well, actually, it's their riders. They're free riders that go on the whole life or the term so that they not only pay a benefit when, when you pass away, but also pay a benefit if um, you get a heart attack or if you get cancer or uh, there are certain, you know. So they'll pay out like a certain amount earlier than Earlier, the, yes. Okay. Yes, yes. So that's, that's whole life. Uh, there's also a savings element to it. Uh, I'll say there's not a, a big rate of return and, and wasn't really built for a big rate of return. It's um, really supposed to be about safety. You know, part of your portfolio is, is being the safe assets. Uh, what's interesting about whole life is, do you know who buys the most of it? Probably companies. <laughs> uh, banks. Banks. Banks, if you look at, if you Google tier one assets, T-I-E-R assets, and see where banks have have uh, their their that's their safe uh, part of their portfolio, and uh, like Bank of America, Wells Fargo, they they buy billions and billions and billions of, of whole life insurance, and they do it for a couple of reasons. Number one, for the safety. Uh, you hardly ever hear of a life insurance company getting into trouble. I think over the past hundred years, there's been maybe one or two that have gone under and they were taken over by other uh, institutions. But life insurance companies, it's hard to kill a life insurance company because the way they invest, they invest long-term. And uh, so, um, so yeah, I'm a big believer in, in, in all kinds of life insurance. Uh, I'm not, like I say, I like whole life. I like term. Universal life has a savings element to it. And there's also a variable life that has, you know, kind of an investment asset where you can put mutual funds and things like that into it. So one of the things you mentioned was earlier, you mentioned about the term insurance that caught my interest. You said, you know, load up as much term as you can. I guess this is specific to each person, but I, I've kind of been told that you should get about 10x uh, your salary in term insurance. But you're saying that maybe you should just do as much as the insurance company will give you. What's uh, what's the difference? Or well, what are you, what are your th- what's your thought around that? Well, you know, if, if something should happen to a father... And, and you use that philosophy of, of 10 times, you know, your, your salary, and let's say your salary is 150,000 a year, that would give you like 1.5 million. Yeah. And that sounds like a lot of money, but, uh, if you were to invest that, you know, where could you invest it at a safe, at a real safe place? And so if you were to invest it at 5% interest, you know, it wouldn't even replace your income. I mean, it would replace, it would give, you know, your wife $75,000. So, yeah. so I'm, I, I think you should probably do 20 or 30 times, but, but, uh, um, because I've seen it pay off. Yeah, really interesting. And it, it's interesting too, cause uh, you know, working for a, for a big company, they offer uh, very cheap term policies. Uh, I guess it's maybe subsidized by the company or whatever it is, but, 
Um, you know, I can get like I think it's like eight times or whatever it is times my uh, my salary for you know like ten dollars less than ten dollars a month. Sure. I mean, it's just like something that's that's really low. And then obviously subsidize that with uh, external policies as well because if you were to get let go from that job or whatever else it might be. Um, but uh, yeah, I th- that's one thing that that our dad always taught us too, and 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 kind of we we've we've had these different, uh, we go on these like man trips every year or not every year, but we try to with kind of the brothers and my dad and the brother-in-laws. And, and, uh, last year we went, we kind of, we were sitting around the fire and we went through just these man tips. Right. And sure. we were talking about, and it's just cause we were all men. I mean, I guess these are woman tips too, sure. but, uh, <laughs> um, you know, and that was one of the things too, is under, under, uh, financial independence was, um, you know, have life insurance, you know, safeguard your family against something to where, you know, that would happen. You know, if, if I were to pass away, would my wife survive and would she be okay? Yes. But do I want to leave her in a situation where she is, has to be worrying that, worrying about that specific element and everything that she's doing? Sure. Well, there's an interesting study done. This is when I was working with a beneficial life, well, maybe 20 years ago, but they did a study and, uh, they of the first emotion that a wife feels or experiences when her husband dies and uh you know suddenly and uh, depends on the relationship i guess well yeah <laughs> but let's just assume that it's a good relationship what do you think the first emotion was oh no we're screwed financially <laughs> it's fear yeah, yeah you know it's the first emotion that that a spouse will feel is fear you know what how, am i going to do now what am i going to do now financially and in a way, I think that's kind of sad. You know, they should feel sadness and loss instead of, you know, what am I going to do now? And so, uh, you know, my it's always been my job to try and make it so, so when the husband passes away or the wife passes away that they don't feel fear and that they um, feel confident. And and to me... It'll be, what am I going to buy now? That's right. <laughs> that's right. There's, there's, no, there's no... I mean, to me, when people buy life insurance... They do it for one reason, and that's because they love someone. If you don't love someone, you shouldn't buy life insurance. Yeah. And uh, life insurance is bought uh, because they, they love you. Love someone. This is kind of a weird question. Um, are you familiar with uh, like final expense insurance? I and am. Like uh, pre planning and stuff like that. Yeah. What's your opinion on that? Well, uh, final expenses is usually purchased f- uh, from people that don't have a lot of life insurance, and uh, they're trying to pre plan their funeral. And uh, usually they've waited until um, it's too late to get, you know, normal kinds of life insurance. It's a big industry because most people put off, you know, planning. And uh, I think it's a good thing to, to do that. I mean, there there's some good companies and bad companies out there, just like there is with, with anything. But, uh, uh, you know, f- for the most part, it's it's for people that have, have, have put off and they're paying a lot more. And what I tell people that the time to plan is now, you know, like your age, Greg's age, you know, I'm getting ready to convert some of Greg's term into whole life. And the time to plan is, is now so that you still have that amount of life insurance, you know, when you, when you pass away. And so term is, is like when you have your kids at home, uh, you need to load up on it. Then maybe when your kids are, you know, my kid's age, some of the term drops off. I have term. I mean, I think I've got a million dollar policy that it was a 30 year term that I bought. And I think it'll drop off when I reach 74 or 75 or something like that. And it's so cheap that I, I keep it, but uh, it'll drop off. And then I still have a lot of permanent insurance. Yeah. yeah. What do you recommend around like spousal and children insurance? Okay. I um, I think that uh, we underestimate, uh, you know, what a spouse is worth. Yeah, totally. and especially in your situations, because I know your spouses and how, how valuable they are. Indeed, and you know if something were to happen to them, and and obviously they're they're probably not the main breadwinners, but um, you know taking care of the children, and and so I say load up on the spouse too with with some insurance, and and if I was going to say you know maybe get a couple of million a term, and maybe two or three four hundred thousand dollars of whole life. You know, so that you have that when when you don't have to buy final expense, you know, at some time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I asked that uh, that that final expense question. Um, there, there's lots of different differing opinions across the industry about that. Actually, that was uh, 
my first job out of college, um, okay. we, my wife and I, we moved to California and I worked for a, a life insurance company that sold majority, uh, final expense insurance. And I was a, a, a licensed insurance agent for them. Okay. Um, a life okay. insurance. And, and it was just, it was really interesting. And I saw that a lot. There were a lot of people that they got, you know, maybe to that point or, um, you know, I would say 95% of all the people that I saw were not, uh, they were not sick or terminal or whatever else sure. so they, to think about funeral expenses. But, um, but they just, they, it was something that they didn't want to have to worry about. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I firsthanded saw, saw the benefit potentially of, of final expense insurance, but life insurance in general in, in that industry. Sure. Well, I think it's important to plan ahead because final expense can be, you're paying a lot of money for not a lot of death benefit. And the other thing my dad told me going back to my dad is, you know, do do what rich people do. You know, find what and, and rich people buy a lot of life insurance. Rich people buy a lot of whole life insurance, and they've done studies on on who buys whole life insurance, permanent insurance, and it's the the most educated, the most you know the, the rich, and a lot of businesses have been you know started that way, like you know Kentucky Fried Chicken and, and Disney World, and you know they they were able to borrow from their life insurance to. Um, to fund their uh, their businesses is that maybe because it's more expensive and people and maybe term is cheaper so you have people who aren't as as to do or as wealthy that they have, they're like well I, I can't afford whole life so I go term or I think it's a combination of of um, not thinking ahead and planning ahead and it is more when you say expensive you know it's 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 more of a disciplined approach. And it's really where you put your money because I don't really take a look at what you pay for whole life insurance as a premium. A lot of people take a look at, you know, insurance like car insurance or homeowners insurance like it's a premium. And when I, I know your dad has some permanent insurance because I was, he bought Mm -hmm. some from me, some term insurance for me for a while. And uh, I take a look at, at, you know, permanent, you know, whole life, universal life, um, variable life. I take, you know, when you make a payment, when I make a payment to mine, I take a, I look at it more like a deposit than I do a premium payment because I know all the money that I'm putting into it, I'm getting back and then I'm saving. And so I don't really look at it as a, as a premium payment. I look at it more as a, as a deposit, deposit. like, like in a bank. Interesting. So I think that perfectly ties us in with kind of the portion about this book that you're writing. Which is uh, the the mortgage and the beast? Is that what it's called? That's right. That's right. And uh, so this concept, and I've kind of read I've read a little bit of a or a first draft of your book, which is excellent, by the way. Uh, and it talks about uh, just the mortgage industry. You talk about that and how um, you know the cost of interest uh, that people pay over their lifetime. I think you said it was what six hundred thousand. Six hundred thousand, according to AARP. Yeah, over their lifetime, people will pay an interest. Yeah. Uh, and so your strategy and what you kind of talk about in this book that you're writing uh, is about how you've been able to, in your own life, uh, and and then also in advising others how to work around that by using an insurance policy. Sure, sure. Can you talk about that? <clears throat> yeah. Um, like you said, according to AARP, every person that comes into America will pay, you know, like $600,000 of interest over their lifetime. And when you pay interest... It's money that you never get back. It's like you know, taking a match to it and burning it up. You, you, you can never use it again. And on top of that, you also lose what that money would buy, you know, mainly pleasure, you know, like trips around the world. I mean, you think $600,000, you could take your family on some nice vacations. And so I really refer to this as the worldview of money that, that you know, we're raised here. We go to school. Uh, we take loans out, we get a mortgage, we buy cars on time, we uh, get second mortgages, we run up our credit cards, and and the average homeowner or married couple in America, if you can believe this, they pay as, as high as 30% of their income in interest. Wow. And and so if you take a look at just a $300,000 mortgage, uh, you know, you'll pay almost $300,000 of interest if you pay on that for 30 years. And so... In the book that I'm writing, I point out that, you know, debt is not bad. Mortgages are not bad. You know, they're, they're a, an awesome blessing that we have in our lives to be able to, to have a, a beautiful home. But, 
but they're also a trap and a beast, and that is the amount of interest that you'll pay if you keep it for 30 years. And usually what banks do is they, you know, I get I get cards in the mail almost daily. This is refinance, refinance, refinance. And so, you know, they, they, they do that all over again to a lower mortgage and they keep, and you, they keep churning you. They, just so keep, just they keep, keep on churning. That's right. Most of your, most of your payment to, to interest. That's right. That's right. And so, uh, most financial advisors, they're about rate of return and you know, Hey, I can get you a good rate of return. I can get you a great rate of return. Well, you know, let's say that an advisor can get you like an eight to ten percent rate of return. You know, what good is that if you're spending thirty percent of your income in interest? I mean, that's like, you know, ten ten percent coming in and thirty percent going out the back door. You know, or being in a boat and you know thirty gallons coming in and you're scooping out ten. So, so I say, you know, try to get rid of that interest. You know, going back to what my dad gave and my dad was just you know non-college educated and just a farm boy from idaho is that um try to get away from you know get a mortgage is a great blessing but then try and get out of it and in my opinion the best way and i can and it's about math and i talk about that in my book is that you know there's really three ways you can do you can throw more money at it number one that's kind of the dave ramsey way And, and, and this is a good i mean it's not a bad way and the second way is to refinance and that's okay too. And the third way I think is to um, put that three or four hundred dollars a month into a, a permanent whole life policy. And the reason why is that you have several benefits. Number one, safety. Uh, number two, you have uh, a death benefit, so that if something happens, the home is paid off. So, so you know you have that. Uh, Number three, and this goes to the living benefits. If something, if you get a heart attack, you get laid off from work. You know, you have an emergency fund, but also, you know, fund there that would help pay the the mortgage if if something happened to you in your health. But it also, Ethan, goes back to what you're saying is that the biggest threat that that we have, that I have, that your dad has, that you'll have in thirty years, forty years, is when you turn, you know, sixty five, you get gray hair like like I have you have the threat of long-term care and, you know, the possibility of not being able to take care of yourself. Um, my wife, both of her parents were in a long-term care facility at eight or $9,000 a month. And that's not paid by Medicare. It's not paid. That's, that's a big threat that you have. And so the time to prepare for that is now. And so one of the, one of the big benefits of, 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 you know, doing your mortgage that way is you, you pay it off when your mortgage reaches, you know, what your cash value is in your policy, you take money out of your policy, you pay your home off, and then replenish that policy, paying yourself. So let's say that you're paying $400 a month for this whole life policy. And let's say it's a 30, 30 year mortgage, 300,000. So in the 20th year, you'll have enough money in your policy to pay, pay your home off early. So you take the money out of your policy, you borrow against it. It's your money anyway. And then what you do for the rest of the 10 years is you replenish that policy. And uh, in essence, you're becoming kind of your own banker because instead of paying the bank, you're paying yourself. And uh, so, you know, if you take a look at a regular 30-year mortgage, you know, 360 months, 30 years, you've paid close to $600,000 for that home because most of it has been interest. But here you can save probably $150,000 in interest by paying it off in the 20th year. And then by taking that mortgage payment, because you were used to paying that to the, to the bank, pay it to yourself now going back to you know, pay yourself or you know, pay someone else. And then you have a large chunk of money at age 65 or at the end of your 30-year mortgage, you know, two or $300,000 in there, but also some, some other long-term care benefits there. So that's why I believe in it because... And in my, in my book that I'm writing, and I hope to get it approved for by our, our home office, but, but uh, in the book that I'm writing, it's, it's, it comes down to just math. It yeah. comes down to you know, just math. So let me ask you some questions around that because I think that's so interesting. So when you, when you borrow from your policy, you're paying yourself interest, for, you're paying yourself interest right, for the money that you borrow out. How much interest, like what kind of an interest rate would you borrow out of your policy from? Well, what you're doing is when you borrow, first of all, on a whole life policy, you don't borrow from the policy, you borrow against the policy. 
Okay, from your cash value. The cash value. You don't borrow from your... You can't take okay. cash value out of a whole life policy. You, the, the, the life insurance company is using that as collateral. Mm-hmm. And that's important to understand because your policy is still growing uh, uh, and still getting interest because you haven't borrowed from it. You've borrowed against it. Mm-hmm. So the insurance company is going to... Against it as in if someone passed away you would just get less life insurance you, you'd get life when i say against it let's say that that you have um 150,000 of cash value in your life insurance policy and you want to pay your home off uh you don't take money from your life insurance company from the life insurance your policy but you 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 use that as collateral okay and the company life insurance company gives you a loan uh, from the general funds of the company, and they charge you interest. So you're paying interest just like you would, but remember, you still are gaining interest inside your policy. So I don't know if it's ever a wash, but but you're you're still you're still getting uninterrupted interest inside your policy. Now, is the interest is the loan that they give you amortized like a uh, like a mortgage loan, or is it just like a simple interest? Uh, a lot of companies do it do it differently. Uh, uh, most of them do the simple interest, but uh, you know my philosophy is that you should pay it back. Pay, you know, really, what you're doing is putting money back into the policy as, as soon as you can, so that you're not paying that interest. And so, uh, and and um, if you're using your your mortgage payment to pay that back, what you were paying the it should be paid back in, you know, well before the the original yeah, if you mortgage. were. You were saying like $300 a month you're paying into the policy. Well, then if your mortgage is, I don't know, two grand a month, if you're no longer paying your mortgage, but you can pay that two grand plus the 300 into That's right. the, it, it back will, in. it'll That's right. pay it back. Pay That's it right. back quickly. That's so, right. Well, like the three, say you're paying $300 a month into your policy, and that's just the required payment per month to maintain that policy. And then so if you take out a loan, you still have to maintain the three hundred dollars a month, and then but you're saying reallocate your mortgage, so it's not necessarily stacking the three hundred plus the two thousand, because the three hundred is required, right? Three hundred, and that's required. just going to maintain your policy. That's right. And then your the two thousand would go back to pay off the loan which you've that's got correct. The insurance. That's company. correct. That's so correct. So I, I guess one a, a skeptic would say, aren't you just, you know, you're you're taking a loan out either way, whether it's from the insurance company or from the bank. How's, what's what's the difference? Uh, there's not a big difference. There, there's there's really no difference. The, the big difference here is that that having the life insurance policy is that your your money inside the life insurance policy is still growing uninterrupted. So you still have that compounding interest growing inside your policy. Um, and so when you're when you pay that back, what you're doing is is your your cutting back on the interest that you would pay that the insurance company is paying you. And obviously we want to get away from not, you know, paying any interest. And there's, there's an interest charge that goes with that. Mm-hmm. But re- remember that you're also uh, gaining interest inside your policy. So, so you're paying some interest, but you're also gaining interest inside your policy. Like in, I think in your book, it said generally between four to 5% is historically what that's right. That internal rate of return. That's right. On your, I think as well, kind of what you were saying is you also have those riders on a policy that protect you as well. Is that is that true? I mean, to me, that's you know, a, a good life insurance policy is like a Swiss Army knife. You know, it does more than just one thing. And to me, you know, you know, legacy, but also the living benefits uh, are just huge. And if we take the First two examples of just throwing money to your mortgage and paying it off by just paying the mortgage company you know extra money every every month. That's okay, but what good does that do if you pay your home off and at age 65 or 30 years down the road you need long-term care. So you have your home at risk still and uh, most experts will say that husband and wife together have as much as 7 or 800,000 dollars at risk of having to go into a long-term care facility. And so uh, to me, the life insurance policy covers that with the, with the living benefits, and that's huge. So so it is similar yeah. kind of to what you were saying, Jared. It's, it's, it is similar to kind of taking a loan from the bank, if you were to think of it that way. But 
the bank's not going to offer you other things as that's well right. That's right. in addition to and, and that's really the kicker that with this whole with the whole plan is that these other benefits are so great that really you're you're paying interest either way paying off your house but with the insurance policy you're able to get all these additional benefits that the bank is not going to offer you and there's still and there's some tax benefits too because uh, mm-hmm. you can take money from your life insurance policy and have tax really tax free tax favored income uh, kind of like a bond and uh, you know have a stream of income Within retirement, in, in you retirement, can pull out from your cash value. You, you can pull out from your cash value and have, uh, you know, a thousand, two thousand, three thousand a month coming in, tax free, if if it's designed right, and so the tax benefits are enormous as well. And insurance policies are exempt from uh, estate tax. Is that correct? Or they they are if they're if they're if they're um, you know titled right. Uh, usually. That uh, means I don't want to get into to tax law, but to a lot of people use you know insurance uh, um, trusts and things like that. But uh, uh-huh. I think that you should own your own life insurance policy. Your wife should own it on you or someone else should, should own your policy on you. Now, do you own or would you, when you talk to folks, would you recommend uh, building like a family trust and putting everything in the name of a family trust and having that policy in like the family's name? Or do it as an individual level. Uh, I like trusts. You know, when you when your assets get you know up to a certain amount, um, you know, I think you're probably talking, um, you know, millions of dollars. Uh, you know, the government right now, uh, you know, we've lived in in some times right now where where estate taxes and are, are really nothing that really a lot of people had to worry about unless you were the ultra wealthy. Yeah. But the government's looking for, for, for money and they're talking about maybe taking that down to maybe three or four million dollars. And if that's the case, then, you know, if your life insurance isn't designed right, then, then uh, you're going to be, you, you could be looking at a, an estate tax. But couldn't they just change the laws about the life insurance that make that not exempt anymore? They could, and there's talk about that. You know, right now, uh, insurance law or insurance funds cash value is is under Section 7702 of the IRS code, and that makes them tax-deferred or tax-favored. And, uh, I mean, the government's looking for money. They're looking <laughs> yes. for money, and we're scared. I mean, they're looking for money. We think they'll grandfather it in, but there are European countries where they tax the buildup of life insurance policy in European countries and some European countries they even tax the death benefit. So, wow. Crazy. Yeah. So, so we, we've kind of talked about, you know, what some of these strategies are and different things like that. Um, how, how has this, how have you used it in your life? I, I know that you uh, have several different properties that have, have you've, you've lived in throughout the years and that you know, you've moved and kept those properties and paid them off. Have you used this strategy for that? I have. I have. Um, and I've also used another strategy where, uh, you know, I've always tried to buy a piece of real estate in a, in a good school district in a good area. I've tried to keep them up. And um, I've also, you know, weren't, going back to my dad, tried to have other people pay me interest. And so usually when I thought the rent would equal what my payment was, then I would have, you know, rent them out for what the payment is. And, um, and so it was in essence doing that. And I would use some life insurance funds to, to pay them off quicker and faster than pay it back. Uh, but, um, you know, again, if you can have other people pay you interest, rent, whatever it is, and the more people you can have that, and, and between your age and my age, you, you think that's a long time, but it really, you know, over this period of time, I've been able to pay, we've been able to pay, you know, properties off and be able to have a lot of rental income coming in. It's, that's been a blessing to our family. So when, so let's say, you know, back when you were in the heat of doing this, uh, you know, you, you, you're living in a house and you say, okay, we're at the point where I think, you know, we are, we've paid down enough on our mortgage to where someone renting here would be able to basically cover this. We'd make an extra couple bucks a month. Uh, at that point, did you move or did you wait until you paid off the entire house? And then you're just like, okay, kids are a good place. Now let's move. I usually moved before it was paid off where I had a payment and, and I would let the rent make the payment. And uh, most of the time it was, you know, two or three, four hundred dollars more than what the payment was. But I'm a believer in, in real estate too. I mean, it's been, uh, um, and th- there were years, you know, that Anita and I would look at each other because they're a hassle. I mean, real estate's a hassle. I mean, you've got air conditioning going out. In fact, I had an air conditioner go out 
Friday <clears throat> with heat coming on. And I have management companies that run that for me. But, uh, you know, you have to, first of all, ask yourself, you know, can you handle that uh, mentally and emotionally? Uh, but I'm, I'm a big believer in, in, in more than just life insurance. I'm, I'm a big believer in, you know, doing real estate part time. And, um, you know, Charlotte was kind of a down market for a long time. I mean, it was kind of a down, you know, I'd buy a home, you know, some of these homes I bought for, you know, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars. And for a lot of years, they stayed at a couple hundred thousand dollars. And I thought, geez, is this ever going to go up? You know, and it went up, it went up, That's right. <laughs> yeah. especially recently. That's right. And so, um, you know, I've, I've had some money, you know, some properties where you've been able to more than double, double your income and just patience, just patience, you know, just, just, just patience and doesn't happen overnight. Um, you know, year after year, sometimes you scratch your head and say, boy, is this really worth it? And I can say that, you know, getting close to retirement, that it's, um, it'll be a big uh, blessing. You know, Greg went to dental school, we were able to, you know, buy him a place in Chicago and, and, uh, you know, we, we used money, you know, to, to pay for his rent there and help him out that way. So, you know, it's been a blessing to be able to help the family out. Yeah. Well, that, I was just, when you were talking about all the responsibility that comes with this, just re- come, something, a saying comes to mind that heavy is the head that wears the crown, right? That's right. That's right. And so with great, uh, with all that responsibility, I mean, if, if you're going to be the, the head honcho and be making all this, this money with all these real estate deals, you're, you're going to have to have that responsibility. And so comes with the territory it is it is and it it, it is a hassle it, it's a hassle and and um there's no getting around it and uh you try and keep the properties up but there's still things that go wrong with them and and uh, for me you know i have pretty good management companies that that take care of a lot of that for me and you pay them you know 10 percent or eight percent you know uh but it's it's still a hassle Hey guys, I just wanted to take a quick break and say thank you for listening to this episode and invite you to support us on Patreon. As a loyal supporter, you will get exclusive access to two additional episodes per month, which are not released to the public. You can find the link to our Patreon page in the episode description. Let's get back to the show. So um, so let's say, let's look back into the past, right? Uh, Jared and I are both in our 30s. So think back to uh, your 30s. Um, you've got probably got young kids. You, full head of hair. Yeah. <laughs> full head of hair. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Strong as an ox, right? No, probably and, not, strong uh, as an, not strong as you guys. But. Um, what uh, What did that look like? I mean, what did your What did your strategy look like then? Were you already in the throes of all of this, or were you uh, trying to figure everything out, or um, you know? And, and I guess that's kind of brought you to to today. But what did that look like for you in your 30s? You know, uh, being in the insurance business, I always tried to take a long-term view of it and more of a marathon as opposed to a sprint. And, um, and there are times, you know, good years, bad years. Uh, we've been very blessed. You know, I've made, you know, a decent income, but not, you know, not super wealthy income. But, um, you know, to me, you just, you just plan out where you want to be. And I think in my book, in one of the chapters, I, you know, when Greg graduated from high school, you kind of plan, you know, f- from the end, you know, from the beginning. So, you know, where do you guys want to be at 65? And and that's kind of how I did it, you know, thinking that, okay, I, I like real estate. I like, you know, I'm not a huge real estate investor, but I like, you know, dabbling in it. That's really all I've done is dabble in it. But, uh, you know... And just 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 make goals and and stick with them, and you know have spouses. You know Anita's been you know it's not fun to move. You know we moved here, and uh, it's not it's not fun to you know move. But but she's she's been on board and she helps take care of some of the maintenance. So you know it, it's just day in day out, and um, you know paying the premiums on on our life insurance, making the mortgage payments. Uh, I'm a big believer in savings. Uh, I've worked for a company. I've always saved 15% of my 401k, you know, and that's, that's built up a lot. And I figure that if you don't see it and a lot of people don't like 401ks, but I'm kind of a spender naturally. So if I don't see it, I don't spend it. So, so a long time ago, I just, I'm going to, I'm going to save this amount of money. And, um, and it's it's worked out. I can't say that I'm I'm super wealthy, but we're comfortable and and and, it's, and we've been able to help out our family. I like that kind of focus on what what you want 
in the future and then set set goals yeah. to get there. And that it's not going to happen this month no. to next month. It's it's kind of a time go a, a time game, and and uh, you know I think a lot of it. The, the market is slow to rise and different things like that. And it's not just all a, a one-hit wonder type sure. thing. Diversify in several different things. Like That's you were right. saying, savings and real estate and life insurance. and Yeah, I was going to say one thing that I, I think that the perspective that you bring is so is which is so good is that long-term perspective. And when you're talking about life insurance, you're almost, your brain is steeped in long-term perspective. And, and, and what's the end game here? And one thing I've been thinking about recently is like, Okay, you know, I'm at I'm like 33. I'm like, okay, 30 years ago, what did Charlotte look like? And it was like, you know, you might be where we live, my parents and where you live, but that was the edge of Charlotte. It was, it was. And there was fields and woods that's beyond right. that. No 485 where we were at. Yeah. No and, Ballantyne, and no, no anything. No. And now that's like, I mean, that is Charlotte, Charlotte. Right. And now, now I live on the fringes of Charlotte. Now this is becoming like that's uh, right. a huge city. So that's it's like, right. how can I. Where can I put my money and invest now so that 30 years from now, I mean, imagine if you had gone and just bought up a bunch of houses 30 years ago and you're just like, you know, obviously you had had the means to do that, but I'm trying to think long-term and like, where can I invest now so that in 30 years, is this going to be a good spot to sure, have a house or sure. a home or rental? Yeah, I think I'm a big believer in real estate. I, I think it's even when it wasn't going up, I, I took the long-term view of it that at some time it'll take off. And, um, I think, you know, finding good areas in real estate, um, taking care of the real estate, making sure you're on top of everything is, you know, I replace roofs. I, you know, put more money into them. And, uh, so taking the long-term view of that, but also, you know, I invest in other things. I have REITs that I invest in. I, I still have some money in stocks. I have some money in mutual funds. So I'm not just a believer. You know, I have other, you know, I diversify, you know, in that as well. Yeah, one thing I was I was wanted to ask you about, it, and we talked about the you know the, the, the government looking for money, right? Uh, really, there's only two ways that the government can uh, get this pay off the national debt and get this money. One is through inflation, and two is through taxation. That's right. And so I think that we're going to see, and what they just increased with all the stimulus they've been paying out, they've increased the money supply by like twenty five percent. So it's like inflation is a serious concern. I think people should be having, but one of my concerns is that if I'm putting uh, a lot of my money into an insurance policy uh, and let's say it's earning four to five percent a year I would have the concern that that would that four to five percent is basically what the inflation rate is so basically I wouldn't be making anything sure, insurance. sure so what, what, what are you if someone had that concern what would you say to that well first of all um, in every every portfolio in my opinion you need to have safe money and uh, you know, in my opinion, we're also living in unprecedented times. Our country has never been, you know, $26 trillion in debt. And the way the worldview looks at the stock market is they go back to 1900 or 1920 and said if you would invest in the stock market at this point, you'd have an 8 9% rate of return. Well, you know, it wasn't a world economy back then. Um, you know, a lot of things are different now. And so... What I say is, you know, life insurance and real estate is not the only thing, but I've had my money in the stock market in 2008 and 2001, and both of those times I took like a 40% you know, hit in that, and I would have loved to have had a 2 or 3% rate of return back then. I would have just died to be able to have, and I was scratching my head thinking, why didn't I just have my money in a safe, safe account, you know, so... Sometimes the rate of return is the money that you're not losing, okay? Yeah. And, and, and you know that you should have money. And again, getting back to where do the smartest people in the world work? Probably at the banks, Ivy League educated people. And where do they put their safe money? It's in life insurance. Just Google it. So should you have all of it in there? No. Um, yeah. So, you know, I diversify real estate. I have, you know, certainly don't want to come across as super wealthy or anything, but I've, I've diversified and, and have it in a lot of different places, but I'm a big believer in, in safe, safe money so that if something happens, you got safe money there. Yeah, I like that. And I mean, and you've had years of experience to kind of build that, that portfolio, obviously someone who is kind of at the, 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 the starting point, um, you know, of, of their, 
building their own portfolio or their own, uh, you know, retirement plan or whatever it may be. Um, you know, I think the end goal is kind of like what you said is to, you know, live comfortably and be able to help others out. That's right. Yeah. You know, this has been so insightful and, and, and very interesting. I, I think that, uh, when your book comes out, uh, we definitely like to, you know, blast it out to our, our, uh, on our Instagram page and let our, our listeners know about it. Uh, is there a time frame? Well, I've I've pretty much got it finished. I'm tweaking it. Jared's helped me, given me some reviews on that. Uh, I still work, you know, for Western Southern, an insurance company, and I ha- I'm an officer of the company, and so I have to have it approved for by compliance and legal. And uh, so, I'm trying to finish it up and submit it to them, and then we'll see what happens. Maybe they'll maybe they'll approve it. Maybe they won't. So Great. It, it might have to be after I retire. I don't know, but well, so maybe in the next definitely in the next year or two. <laughs> that's 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 the plan that's the plan great well i know that you also mentioned that you have uh you know some ideas in mind of things that you're going to do during retirement and so maybe we'll have to have you back on to love to talk love about to. some of those uh, some of those things and you know with with all the wisdom that you have that'd be great to share that with those would love to who are eager to hear it would love to <laughs> so you know at the end of our podcast here uh what we usually do is we talk about uh, a personal creed uh, we talk about a creed is a set of beliefs or principles that guide your actions in your life. Would you be able to share a piece of your personal creed with us? Well, I think um, in, 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 my, in, it's in my book that, um, you know, business is really third, you know, what we do. And uh, family and God, I don't, you know, I don't mean to, I mean, you probably get a lot of people that do that. But my family's always been, you know, extremely important to me. And I've always said, is God first? Or, you know, they're right there together. And... Um, you know, honesty, you know, my dad taught me honesty, that you never take advantage of anyone, that you always try and treat people like you'd want to be treated. And um, and then uh, just be grateful for what you have and also uh, never compare yourself to, to others, you know, financially or what you have. That's one of the first big mistakes you can make. Uh, and um, it's also... You know, when you start comparing and wishing you had something that other people have, like a nicer home or a nicer car, uh, you also break the first commandment or the Ten Commandments, and that's coveting, you know. And, and uh, you know, just, just, just be thankful for what you have. And it's hard, especially, you know, for you young guys. You know, you, you look around, you see people probably, you know, driving a, a nice sports car and living in a bigger home. And, and uh, you know, you think, man, I just, you know, but... Just be grateful for what you have. I did the same thing. I always wanted more. And uh, and then just take a look at the long, long view of it and um, and save, you know, save for your family. Uh, we were able to get Greg and and uh, Angela through, you know, undergrad without any any bills. You know, we were able to pay for that. And, and uh, you know, that was what was important. So just priorities, you know, take care of your family. You know, keep your priorities in order. Don't look at what others have. Just look at what you have. Be grateful for what for what you have because you're probably in the one percent of the world today. Probably the upper one percent of, of blessings that you have. And uh, sometimes we we start feeling bad because we don't have as much as the next guy. And if you can stay away from that, uh, that's that's a bad that's a bad uh, habit to get into. Yeah, be patient. Right? That's right. Be patient and, and grateful. And grateful. I like that. Yeah, we we, we did an episode on uh, gratitude, and I think that's. Uh, you know, it's an attitude of gratitude is something I right. definitely have. I, I really like that, um, you know, and, and doing what you can to, you know, one thing that you said and, and kind of being in a situation financially where you could help prepare the future for your children as well. That's right. Um, that's one thing that potentially life insurance has a, a, a possibility of doing if done right is preparing a, 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 the way for a legacy for your children. That's right. Um, you know, and, and, uh, I, I saw that when I was in, doing insurance in California, there was a lot of people that I talked to that they said, you know, my, my father passed away and he left me, you know, $2 million in his life insurance policy and my life has completely changed. Sure. Um, you know, not that it's all about the money, but um, to be able to leave a legacy to those uh, that come behind you, I think is a, is a huge, huge deal. My dad left us some, some money. <clears throat> you know, there's five of us. And back in the seventies, you know, it was, you know, it was four or $500,000, you know, was, which was a lot back then, but 
it's been a real blessing and, and, uh, we're going to use it to help the grandkids and, and, uh, help for their educations. And it wasn't, you know, to carry on the legacy that, that we have. Yeah. And uh, I mean, legacy, as far as, as well, your, your, your father had left you some of that, that money, but as well, I mean, you have shared lots of those, those nuggets of advice that he gave you as well. It's almost like this emotional legacy, this, this, this ideology that you've carried with you throughout your life that wasn't maybe financial, but it has helped guide you financially. Just, just common sense, really. Just, yeah. you know, values. Awesome. Excellent. I, I think that one thing that maybe is, would be important, though, in our, in our whole conversation is if someone is really interested and they say, you know what, I actually do need to get a policy or I do need to understand more about this, uh, wh- where, where, would they, where should they go? Well, <clears throat> I'm not licensed, unfortunately. I yeah. mean, I'm, I am licensed, but I'm not allowed to sell. Um, but I would find, I would find, you know, I, I know some advisors, you know, around, but, uh, you know, find an advisor that, that is like-minded to, to what you are. Uh, so many of the advisors now are about rate of return, rate of return, rate of return. And, and, um, rate of return is important. I like rate of return. I chase rate of return too, but it's not the most important and, you know, find an advisor that's balanced. And uh, they're they're out there. They're out there. That, that, uh, Any companies think. specifically, or they all generally have the same products and it's you know, stuff. Just depends on the advisor. Uh, I'm a big believer in highly rated companies. That's just that's just me. I'm a big believer in A plus companies. I've always tried to be associated with with the best. I know you work for a highly rated company. And in fact, your company came up. We had a webinar today. We announced two, uh, 2020 yeah. results, and they said uh, our reserves. Are are equal to what TFRF is, and they're the best in the industry. You know, so so um, you know, always highly rated companies. Companies going to be around. Companies with track history, uh, A plus, triple A, high comdex ratings. That's that's what I like. Very good. Thank you. I think that might help direct some people too. They're, they feel inspired by all that you've been saying. They're like, okay, I actually do need to do this, and this is the motivation I needed. So, I want to give some people some ideas of where to go look. Because sure, uh, I can I can guide them in the right way be great well uh you know th- i just want to say at the end here thank you so much for coming thank on. you for having me thank you, you good to see you guys really appreciate good to it see you guys love you guys <laughs> thank you, you do appreciate you it do appreciate that and uh for all of our listeners out there uh you can follow us at a brothers.creed uh, a.brothers.creed on instagram and uh yeah let's build our creed together all right let's do it thanks Terry. thank you thank you very much <laughs>